And we're back with breaking news. Coke Zero Sugar might be the best Coke ever. That's right, Jim. Coke Zero Sugar is a must-try for any Coke fan, so make sure you... Jim. <laughs> Jim. We're on the air. Ooh, yes, this tastes like the best Coke ever to me. Your thoughts, Jen? Well, can I have a sip? <laughs> Jen, we're in the middle of reporting the news. I need to try it first. You're listening to Upon Further Review, presented by Coors Light on the official Raiders Podcast Network. Here's your host, Eddie Pascal. Raider Nation, what is going on? Eddie Pascal here with my guy Jesse Merrick. We are back, and just because the Raiders are on the bye week does not mean that Upon Further Review, brought to you by the good people at Coors Light, is off. We're here, we're rolling, we got things to discuss, and Jesse, I think today... If ever there was a day to crack an ice-cold six-pack and talk all things Raiders football, today is that day. Not only are we on the bye, and I know you probably won't get as much time off as me, unfortunately, <laughs> but it's just a good point to kind of sit back, reflect, look, to, look at what things have gone well for the Raiders and what things have not gone super well as we sit here at 1-4, and four, getting ready for the Houston Texans in just under two weeks. So, Jesse, uh, you can, you're a guest today. So, crack this first ice-cold bruchacho, my friend. What do you got? Yeah, hey, look, I mean, we noted they're 1-4. and four. It's, it's not great. Your fans probably not stunned. I'm not stoked about going to the bye week like this. So let's start on a high note yes. here and say, what are you most optimistic about, about what this team has done going forward as they come out of the bye? You know what? That's a great question. And I will say I'm most optimistic. And it sounds crazy because you and I talked all throughout training camp uh, about kind of our biggest concerns, our biggest question marks around this team. Yeah. And a lot of them revolved around the offensive line for really good reason yeah. at the time. The biggest, like my biggest thing that I feel good about going into this, I wouldn't say second half, but post by world, mm-hmm. is the state of this offensive line in the run game. I mean, now I know that Josh Jacobs is literally playing out of his mind right now, and I, I think that kind of helps. I don't want to say mask some things that you're working through the offensive line, but when your running back is averaging seven yards a carry, something is working. Yeah. Right? So I think for me, I'm really, I'm really bullish on the fact that they can keep this up over the next 14, 15 weeks. Um, obviously, I think that having Josh go for career highs week after week after week after week <laughs> is probably not going to happen. You never know. It, yeah, you never <laughs> yeah. know. You know, until he doesn't do it, yeah. I guess we we can't say that it's uh, out of the realm of possibility. But I've I've been really pleasantly surprised by that group up front. I've been really I don't want to say surprised by Josh because I think that for those of the, you know the fans that have followed this team for a minute, like remember what Josh did yeah. his first couple of years in the league. You kind of take last year out of it because he was banged up and the aforementioned offensive line was really going through some things. But I mean, Josh Jacobs is a really good running back who is running the ball incredibly hard, incredibly efficiently, and the offensive line is coming together. Yeah. Now, I know that we've seen, at least in the early goings, like 8, 9, 10, whatever number of, of combinations, but it feels like they're starting to figure it out. And I think that all things good on the offensive side of the ball start with the big fellas up front, and I'm very optimistic about what this group is going to do over the next, uh, like I said, 14, 15 weeks. Yeah, I think with me, it's kind of similar to what you said. It's more so Josh Jacobs in the running game. And I'll lump the offensive line in there and the success that they've had in the running game, specifically running between the tackles. You know, that's where we've seen a lot of it done. And so that is something you can build off of. You know, I think Josh and this staff, you know, prior, a lot of fans calling for like, why don't you run the ball? You got Josh Jacobs back there. Uh, they started doing it, and it's been a game changer for this offense. Again, Probably not sustainable to have career highs every single week. But you look at the schedule, there's not exactly like fearsome run defenses. So, hey, look, you know anything can happen here. But if he continues running at a pace similar to this, I mean, what that's done for the offense has been incredible. Because not only that, uh, in back-to-back games, what, he's got a combined 368 total rushing, or total yards, that is, 
298 rushing yards. Devontae's also got 100 uh, receiving yards in both of those games as well. So it's paying dividends in that sense of like in the passing game and getting Devontae going too. So uh, for me, I point to that, that the offense seems like it's kind of gelling. They're starting to figure things out here. Uh, you know, which is great because you couldn't really say that for the first handful of games for them. No, and, and I think that we're starting to figure out the formula a mm-hmm. little bit. And, and you know, we've talked about it. We talked about it during the training during training camp. You and I have talked about it during the season. Like, at some point, you got to figure out like who you are yeah. offensively, right? And to your point, like the first three, four weeks of the season, you're like, I'm not quite sure. And now we've seen the formula, right? And yeah. one game uh, resulted in a win, one resulted in a loss. But these past two games, they have run the ball incredibly efficiently. Derek has been able to work off of that. Yep. He's been able to get, get Devontae his touches. Now, I'm sure the fans would like to see a few more of those yeah. touches, but all the same. <laughs> I mean, if Devontae is going for 100-plus yards and, and scoring you know, touchdowns in bulk, like if he gets four targets, he gets four targets, right? Exactly. Like, you know, if there's any player in the NFL who's going to make the absolute most of those opportunities, it's Devontae Adams. But the formula is coming together. I think that if you're a fan of this team, you can be like, okay, not the start that we were envisioning, but the past couple of weeks we have had really positive signs of what this team could be. Now you and I both know that what things you know what things could be doesn't mean a whole lot, and potential yeah. doesn't mean really anything in the NFL. But you're starting to see the building blocks. You're starting to see kind of the vision of Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels coming together, and. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about it at some point. The schedule is setting up very nicely for this team to go on a run, uh, and I think that you just got to be—you kind of got to trust the process, for lack of a better term. Yeah, no, you really do, and that's the thing I think too. Also, uh, to that point of, of establishing that identity is, I think McDaniel's finally real, not finally because that sounds bad, but he's realizing, look, we've got a really good running back, and regardless of how the game is going, we need to stick to the run. We need to keep this thing going, and I think that's something that previous staffs had done a very good job about of making sure they established the run right from the get-go. And so that alone to me is like, all right, look, uh, they've, they've figured that out. Because as we noted, there, there wasn't really quite that identity. You know, you couldn't point to it and say what it was. Um, you know, and even on the flip side, the defense has established a bit of an identity. And that identity is Max Crosby. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so those are good things you can point to, you know, with this group that you have to like and, and hope that they can look at the tape and say, all right, this has to be our bread and butter moving forward. Continue to pound the rock right up the middle. And doing it against the Chiefs defense that came to this one with the top run defense in the league. You know, they were only allowing 65 yards per game. Yeah, held the Bucks to, to what, five yards yeah. or something crazy like that? I mean, and then Josh comes in and just obliterates them. So, I mean, that is definitely something, again, you are what your record says you are. Like, you can sit there and, you know, say, hey, look, all these games were within 14 points, these losses here. But... At the end of the day, they didn't get it done. But again, you can point to the things that you can build off of, you know, and have some optimism going forward. Yeah. The old man in me loves the commitment to running the ball. Yeah. Run it. Run yep. the ball. Just run, run, the it, ball. run it, run it, run it. Run the damn ball. Exactly. Right? Run the yeah. ball. It ain't that hard. Yeah. Uh, my first question to you, Jesse Mary. Give me a word to describe the Raiders' one and four start. And there is a plethora of words because yeah. the Raiders are in such a unique position of, yeah, they're one and four. They've also played some incredibly tight games. But all the same, they're one and four. So, what is your word to describe the start? Yeah, I, I'm gonna say the word is roller coaster, but make it roller coaster ride. I think is what I'll call. We can it. we can throw a hyphen yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's just kind of bend the rules a little bit here, just simply because, like, I mean, you're up 17 nothing on the Chiefs. You know, riding high, halftime comes around, and it's like, oh, well, there's some momentum coming back on them. You're up what 20 nothing on the Cardinals, then they come back and Kyler Murray and all that different stuff. Uh, you know, the the first game against the Chargers, right there at the end. You know, there's the highs and the lows. It, it's almost the exact opposite of last year and all the wild finishes that we saw, you know, how crazy it was. And then look, I mean, to their credit, it's interesting. It keeps everybody tapped in. You know, it's not blowout games or anything like that. 
so for me, I would say roller coaster ride because even as a media member, I have been riding those highs and lows as I'm watching the game. Because at the end of the day, like I'm a fan of football, and I when I'm watching a game that is good, that is competitive. I'm riding that wave of the momentum throughout it, and it has been a wild ride in every sense of the word. So I, that's been crazy to me, you know, to see the highs and lows of it uh, through these first five weeks of the season. Yeah, you're 100 percent right. I think my word is going to be surprising for a variety yeah. of reasons. One, I mean, I think just statistically speaking, to play as many close games as the yeah. Raiders have, incredible. I mean, I don't want to say surprising, but just the fact that it's been so many in a row, you're like, oh man, like how? Yeah. It's pretty incredible, just in in a statistical sense. Uh, also surprising in the sense that like I didn't think this team was going to be one and four. I mean, yeah. like we came into the season and, and we looked at the talent on the roster, we saw the schedule, we knew it was going to be a tough start, but I didn't think that this team was going to be a one and four uh, one and four team. I still, in my heart of hearts, don't think that this team is a legitimate one and four team. Now you are, you, you are yeah. what your record says you are. But I think talent wise and and the ability, uh, this team is much better than their record indicates. But it's just been, for a variety of reasons, like I said, surprising. Like, I didn't think the offensive line was going to come together like this. I didn't think that the Raiders were going to be able to run the ball as effectively as they had, yeah. or excuse me, as they have because of the aforementioned offensive line. And it's just been, it, it goes to show you, like, we don't know what we're talking about. Right, we come into a season. We have all these <laughs> ideas of what's going to be, you know, what's going to happen, and and this team's going to be good. This team's not going to be good. The Raiders are going to be really good at this, but I think we struggle here. Who knows, right? Like yeah. Josh, Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, like they have an idea, they have the vision, and they probably just laugh at us when they're like, "Oh, these guys trying to <laughs> prognosticate of what's going to happen." But uh, it's been a surprising start, an exciting start, a disappointing start in some senses. Uh, but like I said, it hasn't. It's it's many things. It has not been boring. No, not at all. And, and you know that's again where you're, you're riding that wave because in, in every facet of the game, as you said, with the offensive line, the way they've run the ball, uh, you know, we, we've seen the offensive line struggle at times as well and give up some sacks. But then we've seen them really kind of start to kind of mesh and get some continuity going. Uh, we talked about all the different combos. I mean, that alone right there is a roller coaster ride. Surprising, mm-hmm. you know, to see all of that. Um, you know, the defense, they've done it in stretches at times. You know, you can say the same thing for the offense. You know, so that's where I think, again, you know, riding that roller coaster uh, of the highs and lows of this. And I, I mean, as you were talking, I'm thinking, I'm like, man, this has to, for the players, like, you know, week five, pretty early for a bye week. Yeah. But it has to feel like, oh, man, you know, we needed this. Because it, it probably in these first five weeks of the season, you feel like you played almost the full season because of the way the games have gone, you know, on your heart. That's got to be, you know, a tough on the heart there. Yeah. And I'm a firm believer in whenever the bye comes, it comes at the perfect time, yeah. right? It, you know, it's a perfect time for the Raiders to have it right now. If it came in six weeks, it'd be the perfect time then. Like, mm-hmm. it's just the buy is such a necessity in the NFL yeah. because, like, let's forget, like, let's not forget, these dudes have been grinding since July, it's crazy. right? So they haven't had legitimate any time off in September, October, four, five months, whatever it is now. Yeah. So it comes at a perfect time. I think that obviously going toe to toe with the Chiefs uh, and not and coming up just a little bit short obviously gives you a sour taste in the mouth as you head into the bye. But we heard from Coach McDaniel's the other day, and he said, "Look." It gives you a perfect chance now. It goes five games is a decent enough sample size to figure out, hey, this is what we do well. This is what we don't do well. And maybe these are the things now that we just kind of want to disregard yeah. for the rest of the season. We say, hey, we, we kind of see that we this might not be in our DNA. Mm-hmm. And so I think that I'm really interested to see what kind of wrinkles and what changes uh, Josh McDaniels, Patrick Graham, Mick Lombardi, all these guys bring back to the table when the team gets, uh, when they return to work uh, early next week. Yeah. And also kind of to that point, you know, you go into this, you self-scout in any bye week. Yep. But, uh, you know, look, the, the the starters, and there was a lot made about it, and I'm not big on this, but the starters didn't play in the preseason. You know, you've now had five weeks, so you give yourself the four weeks of essentially kind of the preseason, the old guard preseason to kind of figure things out. And then the fifth, they just went toe-to-toe with one of the best teams in the league. 
You know, so that's, I think, something where you look at it and say, okay, things are kind of moving in the right direction. I would say, honestly, in each game, I think you can see those measurable steps moving forward. Um, you know, and, and in order to, you know, continue that trend and doing that against the Chiefs, that's where I think, again, you can point to those building blocks, the things that you've done well. And like you said, throw some things out. You know, you go into the say, hey, look, we thought just like we thought certain things were going to happen. I'm sure the coaching staff thought certain things were going to happen. We can say, all right, this isn't working for us. Let's move to this. And then then again, point to the things. This is what we're doing really well. I mean, one of the things I look to like they're doing a great job against the run. Yeah. You know, specifically those guys on the interior of the defensive line, you know, and we've seen what Max can do. I think he leads the league in tackles for a loss. Yep. Leads Um, the league in tackles for a loss. Tied for the league lead in sacks. I mean, like, you know, I just, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but like, if you were to put together like a short list for defensive MVP, I mean, Max has got to be on that list. He has to be you know on the list, I mean? for like, sure. I mean, especially the way that he's playing, and he continues to get more and more attention for it, rightfully so, which is great. Uh, you know, so I, I love seeing the guy continue to do it, because obviously he's another exciting guy to watch play as well. Uh, you know, my boss Brian and I were talking about all the time, like, he's got that battery in his back, that, the little Energizer yeah. battery that just never goes away. He just keeps going and going and going. Um, you know, so yeah, he he definitely has to be on that list in, in my mind. Yeah, shout out to Brian, by the way. Yeah. You give Brian some love. Oh yeah, got it, got it. Yeah. Be Sal. Yeah, <laughs> make me Sal. All right, question number three, Jesse. What do you got? All right, so for me, you know, uh, we kind of pull, pulling off of my first one, where you kind of led me to in this one with the offensive line. We've seen the five different starting combos mm-hmm. and ten different combos overall. Are we done with the combos and the different starting groups? I also don't know how many more you can really fit in yeah. there the guys you have on the roster. But I'm certainly no mathematician. Yeah. Uh, man, are they done? You know what? I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no, but yeah. I'm only gonna say that because we are still so early in this thing, and unfortunately, you know this as well as yeah. I do. The injury bug at some point is gonna come say hello, mm-hmm. whether it's for a half, whether it's for a game, whether a guy's got to sit for a week just to get an ankle, a knee, a, a hand, whatever it is, right? So I think we still have a few more offensive line combinations in the back pocket. Yeah. Um, but I think do I the wholesale changes and moving, you know, completely uh, the right side of the line. Who's going to be like? I think those are kind of done. But I still think we have a few tweaks. What about you? Yeah. So so I guess in that one too, I'll, I'll flip it on you before I get my answer. Coming out of the bye against Houston, the starting O line that we saw on this week is that what we see against the Texans? I think so. Yeah, I think so. That's where I, I kind of think so as well. And I think barring uh, injury, I think we do see this same line at least as long as they can. You know, when mm-hmm. healthy. Uh, you know, especially again, given what they've done in the run game, you know, against a good solid Chiefs team. Um, you know, Munford's going to keep getting opportunities. He was obviously getting opportunities in the heavy package and things like that in this game. Uh, you know, I think with Waller going down and Foster Moreau not being available, that obviously, you know, played yeah, into, changes things, yeah, yeah. into him being more involved in that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think, he, again, and he has earned the opportunity to be in there, which it, it is wild. Like, I'm not a big, I, I don't like rotating quarterbacks. I don't like rotating offensive linemen either, you know, because for me, it's so much of like that position where in order to gel, you have to get that continuity and that time on task together. Uh, but, you know, they've they figured out a formula that works. And, and also at the end of the day, too, like, you know, to, to Josh's credit, like, this is not a normal thing that we see out of teams doing very often, you know, again, barring injury. But, He's playing the guys that he thinks, you know, have earned that opportunity, you know, and so like he's sticking to what he said he was going to do, uh, you know, so you can't knock the guy for that. And, it, and it's worked the last two games. So, yeah, I think with this offensive line, I think that's what we see. And also, I think, too, uh, granted, with all those combos and everything like that, you kind of have to like the depth that it's kind of created as well. Yeah. And, and this is, inter- you know, just as you were you were kind of talking there, like I had this thought where it's so funny where in sports in general, right, whether it's basketball, baseball, obviously football, like 
typically you never see coaches, managers, whatever, get in trouble for playing the hot hand. Yeah. Right? I mean, hey, this wide receiver's playing out of his mind, feed him. Right? Steph Curry or whoever's in the zone, he's got to get his shots up. You know, whatever. But in, the offensive line seems to be like the one exception to that rule, and it kind of seems like McDaniel's is playing the hot hand yeah. with the big fellows up front. It is, and and obviously it's a it's a little different because it's a five you know a five man unit as opposed to one player here, a single player there. But like, it, it's just an interesting thought that like you know that's essentially what Josh is doing, and and I think that the the heat, for lack of a better term, because yeah. I don't think there's really any heat, but like has come off because like all right, like there, there seems to be a method to the madness, but you don't really see that pushback in other sports. No, yeah, you really don't. And, and I think to like to your your point of playing the hot hand, and this is no disrespect to Alex Bars, but like we weren't talking about him before. No, you know, we thought this was going to be a depth guy, and he's come in and he's played some really good football at times, you know, and been real physical, especially again in the run game. You know, he's part of where you know they're making all those yards, you know, uh, up the gut, you know, through the between the tackles and everything like that. So you have to credit him for what he's been able to do, and also to Parham. You know, I know a lot of people are going to point to the sack that he gave up. You know, and look, it happens. He's a rook. I was going to say, friendly yeah. reminder, my man was playing at Memphis about nine months ago. Exactly. And on top of that, he's played three different positions along the offensive line. Like, that to me, look, if you look at an MVP along the offensive line, I think he's got to be the early candidate for that, just simply because of what he's done as a rookie for this team and all that he's been asked to do. A thousand percent. And I have a friend of the program, Dylan Parham. This yeah. man, I don't know if you saw it, Jesse, showed up to do his interview up here with us, fully taped still. It was really? a, it was a first for us. Where I was like, "Hey man, like, do you do you want to like take a second? And obviously their schedule was pretty crazy. He's like, yeah. "Nah man, let's just let's just go and I'll, I'll deal with it later." But <laughs> fully taped, knuckles, fingers, That's all that great. jazz. He was and ready was for like, battle, dude. One hundred percent. I was like, I was like, showed off, man. Like, it's yeah, pretty awesome. Yeah. But yeah, I think to your point, early MVP of that offensive line has yeah. got to be Dylan Parham. And I think that you know, I know that we don't live in a world of like, oh well, next year and the next couple of years, like, but. This is a dude who, in the early goings, has given you every indication that he can be a foundational piece yeah. for this offensive line, and not only at one position. Now, I think in a perfect world, you know where he is lining up every single week, yeah. and you just insert him there, you know, a la Gabe Jackson, a la Rodney Hudson, a la that era of Raiders offensive linemen, where they had the same five dudes every week, and there was no drama, there was no intrigue, they just Makes went out easy. there and did their thing. <laughs> Uh, so I think that I think we still have to figure out the final spot yeah. for Dylan Parham. But like I said, I mean the fact that he's been had so much thrown at him these first five weeks and he has risen to the challenge and then some. A great, great indication for what his future looks like as a Raider. Yeah, and, and I remember, you know, uh, I believe it was either prior and after the draft. Uh, you know, Dave was talking about the fact that you know, the offensive line is a developmental position. Mm-hmm. Well, he's starting from a really good floor of yeah. development, you know. So that's where you can point to, and you know, you don't want to project too much and put all these expectations no, no. on guys. But man. With what he's been able to do as a rookie, you have to like what the development's going to look like uh, moving forward. Yes, 100%. And now it's just let's figure out some of the pieces surrounding him. Let's figure out where he, you know, his best home is for him to succeed. But like, like I said, man, if you're a fan of this team, you got to be a fan of Dylan Parham. You yeah. got to be a fan of what you've seen in the early goings. And now, hey, let's see when we come back from the bye and what you can do for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. But my question to you, Jesse, and we talked about it a little bit. We referenced it, or I guess I should say I referenced it a little bit. If you were to look at the 2022 Las Vegas Raiders, we're five weeks into this thing, we're resetting, we're kind of taking stock of what everything looks like now. Your biggest surprise of 2022 so far? Ooh, biggest surprise of 2022. I mean, I gotta say maybe Mac Hollins. 
Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I, I was like, the things that were running through my head, you know, before I dive into the Mac thing, like I was thinking the offensive line and how many different combos we've seen, because I didn't expect that. Um, you know, Josh Jacobs, you know, running at the clip that he has these last two. Um, but uh, no, I think for me, it's got to be Mac. Just because, uh, you know, how much of a reliable target he's been. And obviously, he had the drop. He wants that one back, you know, uh, in the previous game here against the Chiefs. But what he's been able to do through the first five weeks, um, you know, I I think coming out of camp, me and most of the media members thought it was going to kind of be a wide receiver by committee for that, you know, second, third option type of guy, you know. Uh, But he has solidified that spot. Uh, taken hold of it. And honestly, I think someone that, you know, coming in, Raider Nation probably wasn't like, oh man, we got Matt Collins, let's go. And again, no knock on the guy. I love the guy. But, uh, you know, he has come in and established himself as a reliable target for Derek Carr when Devontae's not involved, when Hunter Renfro's not there, when Waller's not able to get going. He's gone to him and he's come through in big moments for the most part. Again, minus that one against the Chiefs. You know, I was just looking it up and you and I were talking about it during the training camp pod. Uh, and I was like, you know, I really get like Andre Holmes, excuse me, Andre Holmes vibes yeah. from Mac. Big body dude, mm-hmm. a guy who could essentially play stretch four in the NBA. Yeah. When you get in the red zone, throw it up, let him go eat, right? And that's what I thought his role was going to be. I thought he was going to be this this great little kind of open the defense up guy, but when, but he was really going to make his money when the team was in the red zone. Yeah. And give him credit, he's made his money everywhere. <laughs> he really has. And perhaps most importantly, Jesse Merrick, where else has my man Matt Collins <laughs> thrived? Where has he thrived, Jesse? On special on teams. On special teams. Yep, yep. Best special teamer we got on this <laughs> roster right now. But, I mean, you just look at Mac's numbers right now and give him all the credit in the world. We are five games into it. He has a career high in receptions, a career high in receiving yards, uh, and I have a feeling when all is said and done, he is going to match or exceed his career high in touchdowns. Yeah. So this is a dude who has taken full advantage of every single opportunity that Josh McDaniels and Derek Carr have given him, and he's just running with it. And and you got to tip your hat to that guy. Yeah. Of guy. And also too, like <clears throat> you know, I know Derek Carr gets a lot of heat from fans, you know, and they kind of ride that roller coaster with him. But look what he did for Nelson Aguilar as well. You know, there, there's Made Nelson a lot of money. Exactly. There, there's some receivers around the league that have come in uh, and have had some question marks about them, and he's come in and, and helped turn them into something you know solid for them. So I, I think you got to give Derek some credit for that as well for trusting the guy, but also Mac especially for coming in and building that trust with him and becoming a guy that he can count on and giving them someone else that the defense does have to account for. A thousand percent. And like I said, you know, I know I kind of make light of it as a resident special teams <laughs> guy, but like that is an important job. Yeah. Right? Like that is a really important job to be that dominant on special teams, to be that smart, that savvy on special teams. Uh, and I know everyone loves the touchdowns and the receptions and the acrobatic mossing of the DBs, and I love it just as much as the next guy, but yeah. when we fill out the picture, when we write the book of Matt Collins in 2022, there's going to be at least one or two chapters about how good this how good this dude was on special yeah, teams. Yeah, special teams captain. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Uh, I think my most surprising thing is just how effectively the Raiders have run the ball. Yeah. Uh, and we talked about the offensive line combinations. And, you know, you look at if you were to kind of like take the names out of it and take the, the jerseys and the team, whatever, and you say, hey, Team X has had how many combinations are we? Ten now? Yeah, ten total combos. Had ten total line offensive line combinations. The offensive line was the biggest question coming into the regular season. Uh, you had a, a high a high profile player on that group that got cut. Like, And if you were to say, hey, but also – this team now is running the ball incredibly effective. I'm like, no, they're not. Yeah. And, and so I think to me that that's been the biggest surprise. And and you look back at the past couple of weeks for the Silver and Black, and you know you take out the first two weeks, 64 rushing yards, 80 rushing yards. But the past three weeks, the Raiders have gone 96. Uh, I just lost my spot. 96, 212, 
and 155. Those are pretty good. Pretty good numbers. <laughs> pretty good numbers. Uh, and and like obviously a lot that helps that Josh is playing out of his mind right yeah. now. But like I've been so pleasantly surprised by the fact that the Raiders have not only run the ball incredibly well, but they've committed to running the ball. Yeah. And I think that in the early goings, there were moments where you say, hey, and like let's give Josh, Josh Jacobs credit. This dude has been balling out for the first five weeks. It's not like he's had like two really good weeks. Like this dude has been running the ball incredibly effectively. And in the early goings, it kind of felt like there were moments like, all right, Josh is getting heated up. Let's give him the ball. Let's commit to the running game. And it felt like the Raiders went, ah, maybe not today. Maybe yeah. we'll come back to it in the, in the third quarter, fourth quarter. But the past couple weeks, They've committed to the running game. They have done really well in the running game. They have controlled the line of scrimmage. And I think, candidly, that's why they beat the Broncos and went toe-to-toe with the Chiefs on, on Monday night. Agreed. And, and the thing for me was, you know, when the Chiefs came back, when they took the lead, you know, they still stuck to the run. And that, to me, because I was watching, thinking, okay, what are we going to see here? Are they going to go away from the run? Is, is, are they just going to kind of throw Josh to the wayside? Uh, you know, and I thought that was a point of, you know, okay, this is going to be something where fans are going to be losing their minds if, uh, if they don't. You know, start continue to feed him, and they continue to, and I like to see that. Granted, you're not down by a lot, you know, so obviously it's not to the point where like Josh has noted, Josh McDaniel's has noted at times where you kind of have to abandon the run. Um, you know, I, I disagree with some of those times of, of when he has chosen to, but he stuck with it, kept going, uh, you know, and continued again as we talked about along, along the offensive line, feed that hot hand, you know. So that to me, definitely, yeah, one of the more surprising things. Uh, Seeing the way they've been able to do that just because of the questions that we thought we had coming in along the offensive line, um, been very impressive. But this is a group, too, that I thought their strength would be running the ball. So I was a bit surprised to see them not maybe kind of lean on that a little earlier. But I think that goes into now establishing that identity. Yeah, and I think for me, and and just kind of like part two, like I don't want to say... Like I'm not gonna pretend here and be like, oh, I knew Josh was gonna have yeah. this crazy, incredible year. <laughs> like I've I've been very open about it. You and I have talked about it. Like I'm a big Josh Jacobs guy. Yeah. Right. Like I think he's a really, really good running back in the NFL. Uh, I completely, uh, you know, trust and believe in what he brings to the table. You just like look at what he's done historically. I will say I'm a little surprised that he has played so well yeah. that he's kept Zamir White on the sideline. I mean, Josh, Josh McDaniel said it the other day. He goes, look, because I think understandably there have been a lot of questions about, hey, what's Zeus's role? What does he have to do to get on the field? And he goes, look, number 28 is is playing so well that yeah. like I can't take him off. Like I can't, as a good coach, be like, nah, let's let's take him off for a few plays. So to me, that's been uh, surprising in a good way too. That like Josh is playing so out of his mind. The man is so fully in the matrix that he's keeping the the high profile rookie on the sideline, just waiting for his chance, and he'll get it. Yeah. And I think Josh said that you know too. He goes, look, Zamir's time will come, but when Josh is when other Josh. Also, we got to figure out a way it's, to differentiate yeah. <laughs> Josh and Josh. When the guy calling the plays yeah. is Josh, and he's calling the plays for the running back, whose name is Josh. also Josh, yeah. it gets very confusing. I ran into that when I was talking just a second ago, too. Yeah, I'm it's like, like uh, uh, this Josh, that Josh, yeah. everyone's a Josh, right? It's like Dr. Seuss. But uh, <laughs> it's been so refreshing to see, and like I said, pleasantly surprising that Josh Jacobs, the yeah. running back Josh, <laughs> is doing everything that he's doing right now. Oh, 100%. I mean, as you noted, like, Zamir is a guy that we thought, oh man, this guy's going to be, you know, they might have hit on him. Yep. And they, they probably still have. Like, just because yeah. he hasn't been playing doesn't necessarily mean they haven't hit on him. Uh, he's come through in the times when they've needed him for the most part. You, you point to the, the key run against the uh, Broncos. You know, and I think that's what he's going to have to live with right now because Josh is playing out. McDa- uh, Josh, Josh Jay goes, ah, I just. The we are so like, close. We are so close. like shorts when I say that. I don't know why. But, uh, you know, Josh Jacobs has been playing outside of his mind. He's been so good 
you know, fans would probably be losing their minds if they put Zamir in, and, and for whatever reason he didn't, you know, uh, do the same thing that Josh is doing. So it's like, how can you not, you know, keep him in there and continue to feed that hot hand? 100%. Uh, but I bet you they figure out ways to manufacture more touches for Zamir moving forward. And a lot of that will go to. One, how he's able to catch the ball out of the backfield and pass protect. We've seen Brandon Bolden get a lot of opportunities there. McDaniels obviously trusts him. Yes. And just as a disclaimer, it is an incredibly long season. Yeah. Running backs get beat up more than any player on that football field. And even if Josh Josh Jacobs <laughs> yeah. is playing and he's maintaining this level of, of, of performance and production, like once we get to November, December, like you're gonna have to give him a little bit of a break. You are gonna have to do it to keep him fresh through the rest of the season. Like it's just reality and I think that that's when maybe you see a little bit more of Zamir who's at this point now had a little bit more time to get comfortable in the pass protection and doing all those types of things like he's going to get his time so I know that the fans are clamoring to see him I completely understand it he will get his time I'm very confident in saying that and I think too to that as, as you were talking just the thought that popped in the head is like I think I think you and I might have been on the same page on this. I'm not really sure, uh, but I thought it was going to be more of a running back by committee. Hundred percent. Yeah, hundred like, percent. You know, we're all kind of pointing to like, well, that's how it was in New England and yeah. all that stuff. And then Josh Jacobs has been like, nah, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm the lead dog. Yeah, <laughs> like, don't get know. it twisted. Like yeah, I'm here yeah. to I'm here to do this. And yeah, I'm here to do know, it. I think uh, there were so many signs with you know them not picking up the fifth year option and all that stuff. You think okay, and then the, you know all the running backs that they did bring in the the preseason the yeah. first preseason game at the Hall of Fame. Everyone's exactly. kind of scratching their heads like, why is yeah? He there? Well, he's like, you forgot about yeah, me. <laughs> Don't sleep on number 28. Yeah, yeah. Do not sleep on me. Uh, <laughs> final question for you, Jesse Merrick, in this six-pack. What do you got? All right, so Raiders are 1-4. Yes. Obviously, fans not stoked about that. But their next four games, their opponents, Houston, New Orleans, Jacksonville, and Indy, they have a combined record of 7-11-2. Wait, we get two ties in there? I know. That- yeah, I know. I was shocked about that, too. Was it uh, the who, Texans had a tie, the and Texans who's the other one? tied Indy? No, who'd they tie? Let's look it up. Yeah. Let's look it up. Because I, I was shocked when I went through and did that. I can't remember off the top of my head, though, who it was that had the other tie in there. But with all that, my question to you is, do they come out of the next four with a re- winning record? Uh, by the way, our crack research team, a.k.a. myself, uh, <laughs> it, was, it was a Colts-Texans yeah, tie. There you go, yeah. Colts-Texans I thought that's tie. what it was. Uh, do they come out with a winning record? Are we talking about a winning record over that four or a winning record in general? Over that four. So, oh, no, no, oh yeah, in general. Like, after those four games, do they have a winning record? Hmm... That is a great question because I think, and you and I have talked about this, if the Raiders want to make a little bit of a run, and I think making a run in late October to early November is kind of silly, but (laughs) if you're looking at a place where on paper you have winnable games and you have a chance to stack victories, this is that four weeks. Yeah. Uh, Now, all the same, I was telling you before we started going, I do worry a little bit about the back-to-back road games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think just in general, it's hard to win on the road in the NFL. It's hard to win multiple games in a row in the NFL. Yeah. And then so the Raiders are going to be on the road. They're going to have their chance to be away from home uh, and handle those two games. They are then going to come back to Allegiant after being away for a little bit and take on an Indianapolis Colts team that I still believe, much like the Raiders, is better than their record. Yeah. So... Do I think they're going to come out with a winning record? I think it's going to be close. I think it is going to be close. But I think that if you're a fan of this team, if you are looking for Ws, which I know all of us are, I think this is the stretch where you can pick up a few. Mm -hmm. I'd agree as well. I I think 
This is, you know, we talk about dividing the season in chunks. Yep. You know, um, it used to be so easy with the quarters yeah. until we got this 17th game. Now it like messes now me like, all right, like, where do you add or subtract the one? Because and, technically, you know. like, I think we'll be a quarter of the way through the season at the end of the first quarter of the Texans game. That's yeah. not clean. That's not at all. No. Not at all. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not a fan of that. Mm. The, the uh, you know, the OCD in me doesn't like the odd number messing things up here. With you, brother. Yeah. But, uh, no, yeah. So, I, I think... I think they come out of those four. You know, I'm going to kind of push in this one and say with a they're even. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, um, I, I think they split those two and two. Um, you know, and then we come out of that. What is that? Uh, that three would be and three and f- so <laughs> yeah, three and six. No, no, yeah, three and. Yeah, if they go two and two, it'll be there three you and go. six. Three and six. Jeez. <laughs> uh, man, you can tell neither of us did very well in math. Yeah, in yeah, yeah. Simple I, math I, I actually had to take, so I thought about it. So my, my degree is a BA. I'm probably sure you probably have a yeah. BA too. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I was like, oh, maybe I'll get like a, like get the BS combo, whatever it is. And I had to take literally like two math classes because yeah. I had a bunch of like prereqs that I knocked uh, out in high school. Uh, I made it through, I will say, maybe three weeks of the introductory math class, and I said, this is not for me. <laughs> this is not for me. Yeah. I'm out of here. No, I got out of the math as soon as I possibly could yeah. once I was in college. That's a big pass. Yeah. That's a big pass. Uh, but going back to the Swimmer Black, I think that just fans of this team got to remember, and our friend Will Compton said this to me perfectly after the, uh, the Titans game. He goes, look, I know that naturally the inclination of every fan out there, regardless of who your team is, what you know, who you root for, whatever, you go, okay, how does this impact the playoff end? And he goes, look, the Raiders at this point, like, take the playoffs out of it, right? Don't even think about, hey, what's going to happen in January? He goes, start stacking wins. Yeah. Get one, and then get two, and then get three, and then let's look up in December, right, when we're starting to get ready for the holidays, and see where the Raiders stand. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is what I would encourage fans to do as well, and I think that you know, there's still such a natural inclination with all the expectations coming into this year. What are the Raiders going to have to do now to make the playoffs? That's, there's a time for that conversation. Yeah. There will be, and we will talk about it a lot, I'm for, sure. Oh, yeah. But I think for now, like to your point, focus on the chunks. Focus on the next four games. See what wins you can pick up over the next month, five weeks, since we're on the bye right now. And then kind of reassess, reestablish. And then once we, like I said, once we get close to the holidays, let's look at the calendar. Let's see where we, you know, we rank in the world of the AFC and what you got to do over those final four or five games to put yourself in the hunt. Yeah. And so I think that is a very prudent way to attack it. Now, will the fans attack it that way? You and I both know they probably no. won't. If the Raiders <laughs> win, uh, if they beat the Texans, then we're back. We're Super Bowl contenders. Yeah. If they lose, oh, the season's over. Oh, yeah. And, and neither is necessarily true, right? Like I said, roller coaster ride. Yep, roller coaster. You know, um, but having said that, <clears throat> excuse me there, uh, I, I think, you know, with this one, this is their opportunity to make the run. Regardless of what I say, what you say, you look at it, this is their opportunity to turn things around, get a different vibe with it. And I think that's where we will see a lot of the cliche, hey, we're taking it game-by-game answers now coming out of this. And rightfully so. It's what they have to do. It's what they did on that run last year in order to make the playoffs. Nobody thought they'd do it. Nobody thinks they're going to make the playoffs now. You know, a lot of people outside of this building probably don't. Um, you know, so look, it, it starts with that game-by-game approach. And if you're going to take a game-by-game as each game goes by, you got to like who's standing in front of you over these next four. Yeah, and I think one thing that's been really, I think, you know, I don't want to say surprising, but really pleasant to kind of see in practice is that if you look at Josh McDaniel's press conferences, pregame, postgame, middle of the week, leading into the week, they're like this. Yeah. Win, loss, injury, no injury, 
it's all here, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important, especially as we as we talked about going into this next you know next four weeks, where you just stay the same, the approach is the same, the expectation is the same, and you look up, like I said, you look up in December, and say, okay, all right, here's where we are. What do we need to do? Exactly. But I think Josh's kind of even keeled approach has been so uh, so nice to see, so refreshing to see, and, and there's no reason to think that we're going to see any you know deviation from that in the next month or two. No, yeah, he's not. It doesn't seem like I'm sure as a human being he is also riding those highs and lows of emotions, but he's not showing it. You know, you don't see the frustration and all this stuff. Like obviously, yeah, he's not happy. <laughs> like, does he want to be one and four right now? No, nobody wants to be. But he's delivering that consistent message. Derek Carr has said it, and look, he's not going to say the opposite. Say, ah, we just don't have the team to do it. But I, I think when when you hear him talk about this team and saying, hey, you know, I've been on other teams before where I look and I think I'm like, ah, well, hey, this is kind of where we're yeah. at. You know. With this team, he doesn't feel that. He says he trusts the staff, trusts the scheme, trusts the players, all that. And I believe him when he says that. You know, I don't think that's just talk to, you know, hey, you know, say the right thing and all this stuff. Like, I, I, I think it's true. I think when you look at it, like, you know, we talked about it. And again, you are what your record says you are. But this team is not a 1-4 in four team. They are better than that. They have been in each, in each of these games. They're competitive. You know, it's not like they're getting blown out. Like, there's, there's reason for optimism is what I'm getting at. And it ju- it just goes to show you, Jesse, the margin for error in the NFL so is the slimmest possible deal, right? Yeah. It's it's literally, and I'm not even you know being hyperbolic here. It's one or two plays over the course of 60 minutes that completely changes not only the course of that game but really the course of your season when you add those plays up. So yeah, uh, you know, like I said, the Raiders are there. Uh, to your point, you are what your record says you are, but. Talent-wise, this is much better a much better team than 1-4. and four. Uh, I will bring us home, Jesse Merrick, and we've kind of talked about this a little bit, but as we go into this next stretch now, as we go into this next four, five, six weeks, what do the Raiders need to do on the field to be better coming out of the bye? What do you need to see to, for this team to start stacking some Ws? Yeah, you know, and, and like, <clears throat> I, hate, I hate even saying this because I don't want to put this on the defense because I think the defense has done some really great things. I think we need to see some better consistency from the defense overall. Uh, you look at it, they're the 21st ranked total defense, 25th against the pass, 9th against the run, real good there, uh, and then a 28th in scoring defense and 20th in yards allowed per play. You know, that's like the, you, you split the league in half, that's on the wrong side of it. Sure. You know, you, you need to flip that. We, we talked about it, what was it, last year, where we're like, if this team has a defense that's middle of the road, they're a playoff team. Well, they were a playoff team. You know, so uh, for me, in order for this team to take that next step, it does look like the offense is really starting to kind of get things figured out and click and again have that identity from the defense. We need to see it. And it's, you know, they talk about it in all facets of the game here. You need to do it for the full 60 minutes. We need to see the defense do that for the full 60. Because again, not putting this on the defense at all. So don't everybody, you know, mince my words here. But a 20 point lead over the Cardinals and a 17 point lead against the Chiefs, two very good offenses, should be enough to win you the game. At the end of the day, the offense bears some of that, you know, weight as sure. well. But if you're able to spot your team that much of a of a of a you know uh, pad there, you should be able to close the game out. Yeah, I agree with you, and I think mine for me is going to be kind of similar to yours. Yeah. But I think just playing a full sixty minutes, yeah, right, all three phases. I think that if we can, and look. The NFL is the toughest league in the world, right? Like, you are not going to be able to put together a quality 60 minutes week in and week out, right? Even the best teams in the league aren't going to do that. Every, yeah. you know, everyone has a clunker of a quarter, like, ah, things were just kind of off for that first half, whatever it is. But for the Raiders to, to kind of really turn this thing around, and I think that you and I have talked a lot this, this morning about seeing some of the signs 
of this team coming to life and is starting to click. Mm-hmm. And I would love to see them do it consistently for a full 60. I would love at some point this year to look back on a game and say, that was it. Yeah. That was the that was kind of the example. That was the full 60 offense, defense, special teams firing for four quarters. And we've seen it for 30 minutes. We've seen it for for parts of the team for 45 minutes. Yeah. We've seen it for oh almost the full deal, but a couple weird series here and ah, you kind of got off track. Let's see it for 60. Yeah. That's what I want to see. If the Raiders can put together a full 60 minutes of football, I like their chances against almost everyone in this league because we've talked about it a lot. The talent is there on offense, on defense, and shout out to my guys who I still think are the best specialist trio in the <laughs> NFL. But all, all kidding aside, like if they can put it together for a full 60, let's see where the chips fall after that. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that one for sure. And you listen to Devontae and Derek talk, uh, you know, and they noted that a few times of like being locked in for the entire 60, being locked in every single play, you know, and I think reading between the lines like you don't say that unless there are a couple issues on the team of, of certain guys and no pointing fingers or no. anything like that but i think it, the way that i read that when they both said that is there's there's a few people here and there that maybe aren't locked in for the full entire time maybe they're pointing the finger at themselves as well and saying that too for you know to be fair sure. um but being locked in the entire time that's the difference as we noted like 14 points in these four games the, the margin is so slim. Yeah. You have to be locked in and dialed in for every single one. And again, I hate the what ifs and all that stuff, but it's like they are literally four plays away from being undefeated, which is wild. And not many teams around the league can say that. So that is that locking in for the full 60 is a game changer for this team. And that's tough to do. That separates the good teams from the bad teams. Yeah, and the great teams from the really good teams. Exactly. So, like I said, we have a long way to go, thankfully, mercifully, in this season. Yeah. We're going to have a little uh, a little rest and recovery this week. Uh, speaking of, uh, any bye week plans for you? I know that the good people at News 3, are, are the aforementioned Brian's probably got you running all over the valley. He but does, actually. Are you, are you going to get any time this bye week or no? No. <laughs> yeah, this is a busy week for me, man. We've got the uh, NASCAR races coming into town. It's the playoffs. I'm not a massive NASCAR guy, full disclosure, uh, but these events are fun to cover. It is the playoffs. It's the round of eight. That's going on. It's also on NBC, so we're obviously going a little bigger with it there. Uh, we've got UNLV this weekend. Um, you know, the race is on Sunday. Friday is the home opener for the Silver Knights. You know, there's just a lot going on. Uh, so I, I am not getting a break this week. <laughs> I am, thankfully. Yeah. Enjoy I will, it. Be, I, will, I will be watching all of your coverage yeah. on News 3. And speaking of, Jesse Merrick, 30 seconds of plugs. Where can the people find you? Hey, at Jesse News 3 LV on Twitter. You know, always on there. And again, I'll be running around at all the different events that I noted, you know, on Channel 3. So make sure you're watching at uh, 6, 10, and 11. <sighs> I love it. Yeah. I feel like you've done that promo with time yeah, or two before. I have. And also on top of that, like the Golden Knights are in action. I do I, they they play their home open. Oh, tomorrow. you're gonna get you're gonna get my man Ray upset. Yeah, I'm sorry, you're Ray. You're gonna get Ray upset. Don't be mad at me. But yeah, that's that's the other one to add into it. I mean, so make sure you're watching us tomorrow for the home opener, because obviously that's gonna be cool. Yes, very, very cool. Uh it is also gonna be cool to kind of get to watch uh the NFL this weekend as a fan. Yeah. Obviously, we don't get to do that very often in this uh, in this line of work. So I will be sitting on the couch locked in watching News Three, doing the nights, watching the nights, watching UNLV, watching all the games, uh, AFC West in particular this yeah. weekend, but it's going to be a blast, uh, and it was a blast to have you here in studio. It's always nice when you get to come hang out. So, Freddie Pascal, my man Jesse Merrick, we got Al who's running the uh, the board today behind there. A big thank you to Alexandra and everyone else, that's, everyone else at Silver and Black Productions who keeps us rocking and rolling, and we will be back after the bye, so everyone relax, take some time away, limit the television a little bit, and we will <laughs> see you guys when we get back next week for our usual episode of Upon Further Review. 
Thanks for listening to this edition of Upon Further Review, presented by Coors Light on the official Raiders Podcast Network.